Welcome to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Fremont, we create space for people to become lifelong followers of Jesus, and we relentlessly pursue His transformation of our neighborhood, our city, and the world. Here's today's message. Over these last several weeks, we have been looking at the questions of the Christmas story. We looked in the very first week about a man named Zechariah who asked the question, how can I be sure of these things? And then we looked at Mary, the mother of Jesus, who wondered, how will this be? How can this happen? And last week, we looked at the Magi, these wise men that came from a faraway place, just asking the question of where. And this week, we're going to be looking at the question of what shall we call him? What is his name? And in those four questions, how can I be sure? How can this happen? Where is he? What is his name? Let's remember that those are the questions of our neighbor, our coworkers, our friends. There are questions too. How many of us can remember our journey of faith to know Jesus and we wondered along the way, where is God? How can I be sure that this is true? How is this all going to happen? So as we look at these questions, let's remember the questions of our friends, our neighbors. There are questions. And tonight, or today, we're going to look at what is his name. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And this is how it reads. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. So what is in a name? What is in a name? In the world that we live in, we've shifted, haven't we, away perhaps from name to brand, right? We've talked about building a brand, whether it's your own personal brand or it's the brand of a corporation. I can say three companies, Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, and immediately within those brands associate certain things. For some of you, Amazon has been your savior this Christmas season, right? 
until that time that you forgot about the one gift and then you you wanted to click on it and it says arrives after Christmas, right? So good or bad, we all associate certain things with certain large organizations mostly. There's a, a brand to them, some good and some bad. Now, I know over the years, I've talked a lot about what, what my dad did for a living. He was a philosophy professor, but I don't think I've shared very much about what my mom did, maybe once or twice. My mom had a master's in library science and uh, from the University of Washington. And for the longest time, she was a, a librarian for a bank called Rainier Bank in Seattle, Washington. But then after the Rainier Bank went out of business, she went into business for herself. And she created a company called Burke Library Services. And every time I would try to describe what my mom did, that she would set up libraries for law firms and small companies and things like that, people would kind of nod like they knew what I'm talking about, kind of the look that you all have on your faces right now, until I said, well, Microsoft is one of my mom's clients. All of a sudden, there was legitimacy to what my mom did because everybody had served, had heard of Microsoft. And so that my mom, that Microsoft was one of my mom's clients kind of all of a sudden propelled Burke Library Services into the upper echelon of library service companies, of which many of you, I'm looking at the generation. I might have to describe what a library is later, but anyway. I was having lunch uh, with a church member just this past week, and in the he was describing to me a little bit about what he does for a living, and uh, then he mentioned one of his clients, and it was either the noise of the restaurant, the fact that I'm a little hard of hearing, or something, a clatter of a plate or something like that, but I turned to him and I said, who? And then he repeated to me, Google like that. And I could tell from the look on his face that he thought I'd been living under a rock for 20 years, that I'd never heard of his his client named Google. There's something in a name, in a in a brand, especially the ones that that are multinational and cross-cultural and and seem to penetrate every part of our society. It seems that names, brands, carry with them a sense of worth and value. But ever ever run into somebody that maybe once worked for one of those places and all of a sudden they pull back the curtain a little bit on on what it was really like to work there and they have a slightly different opinion about the thing that you think is all wonderful. But what about the name Jesus? As soon as I say that, that name, Jesus, what does it do within each of us? For some of us, it's a source of great comfort and hope. For others of us, it's divisive. We might find ourselves even avoiding saying his name and we replace it with God or Lord. Nothing wrong with that, but it was interesting that I know that part of the history from decades ago within this church is that that there was a pastor that was somewhat run out of town for talking too much about Jesus. It's a different time and a different place, but he was told that he would talk too much about Jesus. I'm grateful that those are no longer the days here. But I know that I know that one of the things about that name that was probably divisive is that what does Jesus' name mean? Well, we learned from the, the text 
the angel's announcement to Joseph that Jesus' name means Savior. Savior from what? Our sins. That's what the angel tells Joseph, is that Jesus will come to save us from our sins. So perhaps one of the reasons why people don't like this name very much is that we are reminded of our need to be saved from our sins. Now, the what of Jesus' name, the what of Jesus' name, his name means Savior, God saves, answers the why of why he came at Christmas, that God sent Jesus in the world to save. And I think that still today, some of us feel like we might not need saving, but we do. The things that we've done and said, the things that have been done to us that we cannot fix, the things we regret and we have left undone, all of us need this rescue from the rumination about what might have been. And that is what Jesus has come to do and more. What shall we call him? Also answers the question of why he came. Now, some of you may be wondering a little bit about the part of the the text where it says, you shall call him Jesus, and then all of a sudden Matthew launches into this thing about fulfilling a prophecy, the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. Well, wait a minute, how come Jesus wasn't just called Emmanuel, which means God with us? Well, think about it this way, that, that all of us were given names at our birth by our parents. We were given names at our birth. But many of us, as we grow older, we come to go by something different than might, what might be on our birth certificate. We choose a middle name or we choose a, a con- condensation of, of our longer name or, or something like that. How many of you were also then called something on the elementary school playground that became a nickname for many years and you're trying to get rid of it today? How many of you got a nickname in high school that you can't seem to get rid of? Well, the idea here is that, yes, the name Jesus is what he was given and commanded to be given by Mary and Joseph, but we learned that he came to be called many things throughout his life. Even it says in the Gospel of Luke, the angel tells Mary, you are to give him the name Jesus, but next sentence he will be called son of the most high. So there's no discrepancy here about what what is happening. It's biblically and culturally, many people came to call Jesus many things, a prophet. They called him the Messiah, the long-awaited king. Jesus himself called himself the son of man, which was a title that comes from Daniel chapter seven that talks about the Messiah whose kingdom will never, ever end. But Matthew is showing us that that Jesus is his name because he will save us from our sins. But people will look at his life, his death, his life, his teaching, his death, and his, his resurrection and understand that indeed he was God with them, that he is God with us. And Jesus, the name, pointed to his purpose and his mission, which was to save. Now, I did a little digging into kind of a Jewish understanding of names, and a man named Rabbi Benjamin Bleck 
says this, that names are a book. They tell a story, the story of our spiritual potential as well as our life's mission. And Rabbi Bleck goes on to say this, who was the first one ever to call something or someone by name? The Torah, the first five books of the Bible makes clear it was none other than God. And God used names, not for the sake of identification, but rather for creation. Let me say that again. God used names, not for the sake of identification, but rather for creation. And he says, when the Torah says God created, it doesn't suggest that he worked with what he fashioned by labor, but merely that he spoke. And the very words describing the object came into being. Such is the power of God that he simply spoke and things came into being. So why am I sharing all this? Well, it made me ask the question, if all this is true about names and God, when he names, he simply speaks something into existence and it is that essence, it is that thing. What is God really doing at Christmas? What is God really doing at Christmas? It seems really interesting to me that the angelic announcements, there's two of them at least, of John the Baptist and here of Jesus, they spend so much time on what they are to be named. They spend so much time insisting on a name. You might remember this, that when John the Baptist was born, they asked his mother uh, what, what to name him, And when she said John, they argued with her and said, no, 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 there's nobody in your family by that name. That was the common practice of the day. You should name them after somebody in your family. Then they turned to Zechariah, the priest, the one who had had been made silent until John would be born. And he wrote on a tablet, his name is John. And instantly he's able to praise God again. And all of that came from the angels saying, you are to give him the name John. Now, remember this, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, God brought each of the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. And the act of naming back in the, in the book of Genesis was a sign of partnership and, and authority that, that, that humanity was joining with God in this, this creation. But here, here in the, in the Christmas story, both with John and with Jesus, God is insistent on doing the naming. God is insistent on doing the naming. Why? I believe it's because God is making new creation. It's a clue to us that this is about new creation. God is naming things at the very beginning and saying, I am doing something new. His name is to be John, Yohanan, which means Jehovah, God has been gracious. Jesus' name is Yeshua, which means Jehovah, God is salvation. God is saying in this new creation, God will be gracious and God is salvation. At Christmas time, this is God telling us, I am making things new. I am making a new creation. 
Another a connection to the, the book of Genesis is you might remember that, that at the very beginning of all things, when God is creating, it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. And here in the Christmas story, we learn that Mary, that, that the Holy Spirit will overshadow and hover over her, and she will create new life from her. God is doing something new. The the clues of the story are pointing us to the fact that God is making a new creation. Now, this past week, I had the opportunity to read the story of, of, of a woman, and the headline was something along the lines of, I set out to disprove Christianity. I'm always intrigued by those stories, as you might imagine from my own story. But here was a woman. She was a professor of mathematics at the University of Johannesburg in South Africa. And by her own words, she believed that that Christianity was just superstition. The idea of a miracle-working God-man was nonsense. And that stories in the Bible were just fables made up to make people feel better. But as she grew older, she she wanted to understand the meaning of life, and she began studying philosophy in all of its different forms, and eventually ventured into world religions. She was looking for some sort of sense of peace, some sort of, she describes an instance in which she was studying mysticism and, and trying to find a sense of peace. And then she writes this, one day I lost my temper with a neighbor over her screaming children. After a heated confrontation, I stormed back into my house, fuming with frustration at my failure to master my emotion. Throwing my hands up in exhaustion, I said aloud, I give up. I can't do it. At which point, a clear voice in my consciousness, quite distinct from my own thoughts, said quietly, of course you can't. She goes on and says, it's difficult to describe the profound effect of those surprising words. Laughing, I felt an instantaneous and joyous sense of release from a burden. I realized with absolute clarity, I didn't have to strive to perfect myself. I knew there must be some other way to live a better life, even if I couldn't yet identify the alternative. Julie Hanna would come to know Jesus after a decade of investigation. In fact, she would later write a book entitled A Skeptic's Investigation into Jesus. It was through a study of the scriptures and that realization that she needed saving from herself, from her repealed, repeated failed attempts at to trying to live a better life and finding that she couldn't. That voice told her, of course you can't. Of course you can't is the beginning of understanding all of our need for Jesus. The angel said, his name is Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 700 years before Jesus was born, a prophet named Isaiah spoke these words, the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And shortly after he wrote those words, these words were written, 
Behold, God is my salvation, my Yeshua, from which we get the name Jesus. I will trust and will not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song, for he has become my salvation, Yeshua, Jesus. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people and proclaim that his name, his name is exalted. Friends, there is hope in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There is peace in the name of Jesus. There is joy, forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, there is love in the name of Jesus. What shall we call him? What is his name? His name is Jesus, and he will save you. Let's pray together. Oh, gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of salvation, of Yeshua, of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the testimony of a woman like Julie Hannah who came to the end of herself and heard your voice say so gently and quietly, of course you can't. And for all of us that are identifying and resonating with what Julie experienced of all of our efforts to be good, to get things right, to make life perfect, to make Christmas perfect, Lord, may we run to you, knowing that we cannot do any of those things on our own strength. May we turn to you as our Savior. May we come to you for life, for peace, for joy, for hope, for forgiveness, and for your love. Lord, we do give you thanks. May we call upon the name of Jesus who has come to save us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit fremontpress.org. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 a.m. in the sanctuary for classic worship and 10.30 a.m. in the Community Life Center for modern worship. You can catch the live stream of both services at fremontpress.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episode each week. Thanks for listening.